Hi, this is Sean Harold with Thing 12 Games. And Sean Epperson of Thing 12 Games. And you're listening to Legends of Tabletop. How easy was that? You did a great job. Bravo. <laughs> so this is uh, episode 143. Uh, this is the live stream for the podcast. If this is the first time you're tuning in, this will be available as an MP3, maybe tomorrow, probably by Friday. Uh, so we've got dueling Sean's tonight, which is pretty cool. But before we get into anything else, I don't want to bury the lead. I'm going to jump right to the first hard-hitting question. Sean E., why are you so bad at Azul? <laughs> Why do I get my butt kicked on the daily by my wife? Yes. Uh, I actually won our last game, but oh. I, I had a ringer. We had a new friend that was over for Mother's Day, and uh, she had never played before. And the two of them were kind of talking, and I'm just like sitting quietly by and doing my thing. And I, I wrecked house. I had so many opportunities that she normally would just crush me on so it was a win but uh, <laughs> take it right yeah exactly <laughs> when uh, when she's actually focused and on the game yeah she just kicks my butt all over the place it's it's embarrassing but uh you know good for her you know she's she doesn't consider herself a big tabletop gamer but uh you know that's one that she really likes so yay is there anything that you consistently beat her at all the time that maybe she doesn't want to play anymore oh geez um everything else <laughs> Can I make the marriage joke here? <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> Not really. Like, whenever we play games, like, we, we played uh, Tides of Madness, and she's destroyed me at that. Like, it's weird. She doesn't consider herself a gamer, but when we sit down and play stuff, she just wipes the floor with me. So I, I'm happy to lose to her if that encourages her <laughs> to keep playing. <laughs> you got a sucker, and you're just you're just throwing them at her. Like, oh, right. yeah, you're so good at this. Uh Oh, that's funny. All right. Well, let's let's jump to, uh, back to H. Uh, you know, we we met over at uh, Arizona Game Fair earlier this year, so that was uh, it was a cool thing. You were working the uh, the table there, the uh, the retail table. So that was. Did, did you get to play anything while you were there? Or no. Uh, <clears throat> no, I got. I'm typically I'm trapped behind uh, the dealer booth, and and a lot of what I do is just focusing primarily on on interacting with people and getting them to play the games that we currently have available. So that, that's kind of where my big focus is. So uh, I, I like the E and H thing here. Uh, so well, Everson, I can't just uh, say Sean, so. <laughs> let's Sean and see what happens. Mm -hmm. So Everson focuses more on like in development, like demoing and doing the prototypes of stuff that we're actively working on. And I kind of pick up the back half of that. So once we've gone through manufacturing and I'm more of the, just trying to get uh, our games in front of people and sold. And that's kind of where my focus lies. So, so what you're saying is that you actually do all the work. While yeah, I do all of the work. Kinda, yeah, yeah. I make just... the car, and then <laughs> I get him to take it to the warehouse and sell it to the people. 
That's fair. That's fair. Kind of works. <laughs> but it, it's funny. It's funny. Uh, you know, for a couple of years now, uh, uh, E, I'm just going to still tell you Epperson. Uh, uh, so Epi, <laughs> Epi does like all of these, all of these interviews and does all of, all of the, all of the face to face. And I've kind of been like the back, like nee, 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 like doing all the work. Uh, but this is my first one. So this is, this is fun for me. See, you should do this all the time. You're, you're doing good so far. <laughs> <laughs> So do you guys wind up doing a lot of conventions together or no? Is it split time? You guys kind of go halfsies on that or? Uh, so we, we did our first one together a couple, a couple weeks ago. It was a game storm up in Portland. Uh, so I'm based primarily in San Francisco and Phoenix, and I kind of bounce between the two. And then Epi's up in the Seattle area. So if it's up in Seattle, he'll take care of that. Uh, if it's in San Francisco, which the upcoming KublaCon will be over Memorial Day weekend, I'll be handling that. Um, and then I try to do a lot of stuff in Phoenix and that, and that's where, you know, we were able to meet. Um, but Portland is kind of falls in the middle of it. And so, uh, it was fun to do that, uh, for the first time, but it was funny. Um, Epi and I had never done it before. And so he came in and he was more nervous than I am. Like, how are you going to demo and how do you talk to people and this and that, and how do we set up the table? And I was like, 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 dude, I, I've, I've done this. Like I, I can do this in my sleep. You know, I got my, I, my spiel down and I know, I know how to, to demo these games, but he had never seen me do it. He'd never seen me in action. And so he kind of had this like, like, I don't know if I can let him do this thing because this is the game that I designed and I'm worried he'll do it wrong. Uh, but in the end, what happened? I demoed better than he did. Yeah, oh, you did, a, you did a fantastic job. Yeah, that was, I'm really yeah. proud. Rebuttal, we need a rebuttal. <laughs> no, he did great. Uh, I was, I, I definitely was sort of like, okay, you know, what's his approach? Because I hadn't, you know, done a, a call with him. It's so weird to be like, He's my business partner, and we've been together for you know God years, but it's the first time we actually got to be at a con together. Yep. And uh, I mean, we've we've talked. You know, I I've told, I'm obviously confident, you know, in, in his skills and abilities. He's a talented guy. So, but it was it was fun to kind of see. Okay, how do you approach it? Because when you're demoing, when you're demoing for a sale, or when you're demoing for getting feedback, they're really different approaches. And so, seeing his approach, like here's the final product. I want to demo to people so they can understand what the game is quickly and be able to make a, a judgment call. Like, is this a game that we want for ourselves um, versus my, you know, like I'm demoing the game so that you understand it so you can play it and give me feedback and, and all that sort of stuff. So it's different approaches. Faster, go faster, <laughs> demo quicker. <laughs> and also a lot of, a lot of it is understanding and reading, uh, reading the person that's on the other side of your dealer table and under, and being able to quickly gauge their interest. And if they lean forward and they step in and they're engaged, then I'll, I'll go a little bit deeper and I'll try to explain the nuances and variety. But if, you know, within 30 seconds, they kind of, you know, start checking their phone or, you know, or they're not paying attention, then I'll, I'll kind of, I'll kind of take the, you know, take the gas off of, of trying to show the game. But one of my favorite things is, uh, <clears throat> So for GameStorm, we we finally had our manufactured uh, units of uh, uh, Click Click Boom, and one of the things uh, designed by some fool, and uh, and uh, one of uh, one of the things that I love the best though is when families would come up, and so I love like a family, a mom and a dad would come up and they'd have you know their kids would be like you know five, six, seven, and one of the things that I love doing is I love in engaging the kids, um, and a lot of what we're trying to do in the next couple of years for, for thing 12 is focusing on, on family, uh, games that are, that are family oriented. Uh, and, and so 
but there's still a stigma. And even even at even at, at, at a game convention where, where it's like, oh, you know, she's here with me. I'm I'm the dad. I'm the mom. I'm the gamer. And it's like, well, no, cool, that's great. But I'm more excited about getting your daughter to play or getting uh, your son to play who's six, seven, or eight. And and there was there was so many times over GameStorm specifically where. I would engage with the family and I would focus on the kid. And I, as soon as I can get you getting you playing the game, um, everything suddenly shifts and changes. And so I remember kind of like stepping back, teaching quickly how to play click, click, boom, and then stepping back and watching this family of four, the mom, the dad, the two kids kind of just go to town. And in the end, like the six-year-old like wiped the floor with the parents. <laughs> and, and, and I was just enjoying and just watching this moment. And I look over at Epi, and Epi's kind of got this like, like this look on his face, like this like proud dad moment, of like, like I made this game, I did this thing, and look at this experience that they're having. Uh, and then so I would sit back and let that happen, but it, that was the first time for me, like looking over and like seeing like like that that moment of victory in his eyes of like, we spent a year and a half slaving away on, on this game, and right there that was worth it. Uh, and then, of course, you know, I, I leaned back in and I got the sale. And, and you know, for a small business, for us, for everything that we do, you know, it, it costs money and, and, and you know, it, it's time and money for us. And so a tiny little business just trying to keep her head above, uh, uh, you know, ahead above the water there financially, like everything matters. But there's these moments and, and I've always had them by myself. Right. And so being in Portland, being at GameStorm and, and I was having this moment. And I looked over, and he was having a bigger moment than I was. <laughs> Actually, I think he was busy losing uh, uh, the seals of Cthulhu to whoever he was demoing to because he totally stopped paying attention and was watching the family play. So yep. that was that was that was one of my highlights for uh, GameStorm and uh, and uh, sharing a, a dealer table with Mr. Upperson there. Well, that's really cool. You know, because it's neat. You know, you put so much work and, and time and effort into it to see that you know, that, that kind of blossoming, that understanding and the fun that someone's having, because it's all about, right? Like people collect games, people play games. They want to, you know, dissect and nuance and whatever, but like, you know, you get a family together that, you know, if they play games, that's great. They're already kind of down that path, but you know, for you to be able to like hook the kids and, and, and get them to play something together like that, like that's what it's really all about. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Especially with uh click, click, boom, like, I wanted it to be a very accessible game that you could play with anybody. You could play with a grandma, you could play with the younger kids and actually getting to see that happen, you know, real world setting, if you will, was just awesome. Like that, that's one of those moments, like as a, as a designer creator, like that's your, your fuel, right? That's what keeps you going. That's what like, like your fire, like, all right. Yeah. That's, that's so awesome. They're having fun. That's great. You know, I, I gave them that experience. That's cool. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, because it's it's a lot of time and effort to get to that point to you know to be able to get it. <laughs> so for people that have never done it before, for people that have never done the end to end of I have this idea for a game, and then I got it all the way manufactured and I put it in front of so uh, in front of a stranger, the amount of work that goes into that, no matter what it is, is it's you. You can't even be begin to describe the amount of work that goes into that. And so something like that, like that moment right there. That was a year and a half of blood, sweat, and tears, and frustration for Thing Twelve, specifically for me, because of course Epperson does all the fun stuff. I have to, I deal with all of all of the uh, all of you know the back end manufacturing stuff. So it, it, that was my moment. That wasn't his moment. That was my moment. <laughs> he stole it from you. <laughs> well, there was also a bit of like I had this this weird kind of moment where I was able to look back on 
when the game kind of germinated in my brain, just like kind of popped in and then juxtaposing that to the, to this moment where this family's playing it. Like that just, it, it's such a weird experience to go. Here was this thing that was like, Oh, it would be really interesting if in my brain and like now a family is playing it and they're, you know, it's the finished product and they're engaged and having fun. And just like, it's, I don't care how many times I do this. It's still like, a weird super cool experience and for me for me i have there's 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 two big motivations for me for doing this uh well i mean first off you know th- there's there's the huge misnomer of uh of you know oh you have you have a small publishing company therefore you're rolling in the money oh yeah you know the, the joke the, the joke <laughs> that i always say is, is is how do you make a small fortune in the board game space you start with a large fortune and and you know we're not this is like you know we're not making money and, and it's not about making money. It's about making a difference. Hmm. Um, and, and it's, it's about, it's about creating things with, with, with a group of people that I care about. And, and, and in a lot of ways, think 12 and everybody that we work with, it, 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 it's, it's an extended family. And, you know, that was, that was the motivation. And that was kind of goes all the way back to, you know, when Epperson and I sat in a, sat in a conference room and I had this random crazy idea of, uh, we had just played dirty cops. And, uh, and I had this random crazy idea, like, what if we started a company? You know, I have no idea what I'm doing, but what if we started a company? And what if we figured this out? And what if we tried to get this made? Because I was so, I, I, I enjoyed the game. I, enjoy, I enjoyed the creative process and the passion. And, and I realized like a light bulb went off, like I'm surrounded by creative and talented people. And what if we just focused on projects together? And, and you look back and it's been two and a half years now and we have, a lot of projects in development with, with <laughs> I don't know if I want to say the number. Like, do we say the number? Do we not say the number? There's a lot. <laughs> There's a lot in development with a variety of people from kind of all walks of life. And, and it's saying, hey, here's your talent. And how can we match your talent with, you know, with what we're doing? And Seals of Cthulhu is a perfect example of that right now. Um, uh, so Sun uh, uh, Duong, who does the art for Seals of Cthulhu, like, I had met him, uh, I had met him a couple years back because literally he's like, four houses down from Everson, um, had seen his art and it was very different and unique. And I loved it. And every single time we would start a new project, it'd be like, would Sun be good for this? Nah, we need cute animals. I don't think Sun would be good for cute <laughs> animals. Uh, and then suddenly, and suddenly this project came up and when we were talking about themes and the different way to go. And like, I think Everson and I had the same moment at the same time. And it was like, Sun would be perfect for this. And then I remember when Epperson talked to him and it was like, hey, we're doing Cthulhu. And Sun was like, what, what, is, what is that? And, and, and so, which was, which was an advantage for us, which was, which was a positive. It was having this very talented, amazing artist and dropping them into an arena that we know and into, into a theme and a genre that we know, but it was completely new for him. So it was like, we want your unique take. We want your unique style. And, and, you know, just go to town with it. And and the biggest thing that I love for this project uh, is is that, is is that it is visually unique. And, and I love that. We've created something different and I'm excited about that. He's so good at, he doesn't, he's never done this before. Like I could cross off like four questions already. <laughs> well, we're talking about Sun the Artist, right? Who are we talking about here? <laughs> Oh, you, you're really good at it. Like, we're, and we're going to talk about Seals of Cthulhu. That's why you guys are here. We're, we're I'm just going gonna... to be quiet. I'm going to be quiet. If we're going out of order, I'll just, I'll just. No, 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 no. We're good. We're good. We're going to, we're going to circle back around. Mm-hmm. I was going to mm-hmm. ask you how thing 12s came, how thing 12 
came about and, you, and we've kind of covered that. How did you guys meet prior to that? And then, you know, blossom into, into thing 12. Uh, Craigslist. <laughs> I saw his number on the bathroom wall. Like, uh, <laughs> dialed it up. Hey, you never know. <laughs> no, we were both producers at uh, a now defunct company called, uh, well, what was it? It was Amaze Entertainment and then Grip Tonight Games and then back to it changed names multiple times. So technically, technically, I interviewed you. You did? I interviewed you at Grip Tonight. So, <laughs> uh, producers on handheld. So I, I hired I hired you. That's the way that that's the way that we'll spin this. You did. You totally yeah. did. <laughs> He's been lording over you forever. Uh, well, not forever for what? 14 15 years? Uh, I was thinking about that. It's like it's over over a dozen or over front 12 I think. 12, long yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> long time. Wow. Yeah, so we were this both like purgatory for me. On Nintendo uh, handheld titles, like yeah. you were you were working on G- some GBA games, or you were working. On I Jack's was working. Pacific? I was working on Sims Two, uh, and then I jumped over. Uh, so Jack Specific, they did like handheld like controllers that was like, oh look, it's shaped like Scooby Doo van, and there was like five mini games packed into that. Right. Um, and I ended up working on uh, uh, X Men and a, and a couple DreamWorks titles that never saw the light of day, um, with a re- a really amazing team. Um, who uh, who went on to start their own company and kind of did a game that was kind of a big deal, um, and uh, uh, so the team that did that uh, ended up doing uh, uh, Crazy Viking Studios, and they made Volgar the Viking, <laughs> which was a classic. Uh, uh, I don't know how do you describe that retro arcade brawler thing. This is where you're supposed to save me, Epperson. This is the part. <laughs> I'm, just, the- I'm watching <laughs> you go. It's great. You're just watching me fumble. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so I did that and then uh, did a couple other things, uh, Mystery Case Files on the DS, um, did, a, did an iPhone game we won't talk about because it's embarrassing. Uh, but Epperson, what were you, what were you doing over uh, at Grip at the time? Uh, I got hired on for Aragon, uh, the Game Boy Advance version of Aragon, the, the movie version of the book, which we decided to throw the books, um, well... Uh, the very limited script that we had for the for the movie, throw that to the side and actually focus on the book because we were doing an RPG that blossomed out of control as far as like scope, uh, just massive thing. Uh, then we went on and did uh, we did Spyro: The Eternal Night on the Game Boy Advance. After that, like one of a lot of people considered it the swan song of the Game Boy Advance. Uh, it was Spyro mixed with Metroid mixed with Devil May Cry and this like crazy action platformer. Uh, and then we did, uh, oh, let's see, we did Looney Tunes cartoon conductor uh, with IDOS before, I think, I don't think IDOS is even a thing anymore. Uh, but that was awesome because I got to work with the actual voiceover actors for uh, the Looney Tunes characters like Joe Alasky and all those people. Uh, and they were all doing classic lines from the cartoon because he actually had like all the characters in there and they were all just delivering all these classic lines. And they were lines that these voiceover actors had grown up with. Right. They were so excited because they're like, oh, we love this stuff. We finally get to do the thing that we just these classic lines we love. That was super cool. And then uh, last one we did was uh, one for um, oh, we did uh, Wheel of Fortune and we did uh, Jeopardy. Uh, final titles for I, I left there. All right. It's so and, long ago. 
Yeah. Uh, H, do you have uh, any? So, were you a board gamer at all before uh, before any of this happened? Uh, you know, you do any RPGs or anything like that? What's like? What's your gaming background aside from from work? Stuff? Well, Jay, that's a very good question. <laughs> Uh, I, I played I played uh, uh, board games casually, so I wasn't I wasn't the I wasn't the like going into the you know local game store and picking up the new big box miniature game. I, I was I'm definitely more of a casual player. Like I'm I'm the like hey let's play Monopoly and Risk guy. Jeez, oh, what? <laughs> Um, and and so and so for me like I, I i was i was that was that casual player and so kind of my entry into into this has has been uh has been epperson has has been and 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 it's for me it's kind of like i've been that i've kind of been the low barrier so like if, if i can get the game like <laughs> i can get the game and have fun then like we have we have a shot uh, you know that 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 we can go out to you know and focus on people that are that are not uh, that are non gamers and stuff. So yeah, so uh, not much, but I've gotten better in the last two and a half years. I've been playing a lot more in the last two and a half years, um, and and getting up to speed on 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 all of all all of those games. And now my son, uh, who uh, who's about to be eight now, when he and I, that's all we're doing is we're playing all sorts of of different games. Um, what is it, Imperial Assault? Uh, we're playing a lot of that, and then I got him hooked on Santorini, which uh, which I love. Oh. So uh, so he loves playing Santorini, and uh, and that, that I, I'm more of an abstract player. Like I'm good with Santorini chess and corridor, and I could play those. I could play those for uh, for weeks on end. Right. I, if, if I had to pick, uh, you know, a style, I think abstract would be kind of more in my wheelhouse than than uh, some of the other. I would Smiles. love, I would love us, uh, us being Thing Twelve, at some point to do some sort of an abstract game, um, but then there's there's challenges there because it's it's not a game that's easily, uh, uh, it's not a it's not a, it's not an easy game to sell, um, and if we were to go to Kickstarter, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, uh, abstract games you'll see on Kickstarter that kind of do the like oh we're this amazing abstract <clears throat> game, and we barely fund and. Yeah. Uh, you know, so the the amount of time and effort, you know, anything that you're seeing from from Thing Twelve, you have to realize that there's a year to a year and a half of development, um, and then once that Kickstarter's done, then Epperson kind of goes on to that next thing, and then I have another year of of development work to to do the manufacturing, um, and and fulfillment and distribution and all of that. So you know, this is he gets the front end and I get the back end. Um, but something like that, I, I would love to do at some point. But I don't think, I don't think we have any designs in the hopper for something abstract. We should probably fix that. Well, like you brought up Santorini. Santorini is a good example because Santorini, while being an abstract, definitely has a theme there, and I think that's what makes it uh, something that's a lot easier to sell. Because I mean, it looks like a toy, right? Like you've got this cool island and it's cool board, and you're building up these houses. Like there's a lot of really cool stuff to see that's on the table versus something that's really abstracted out and it's just discs and shapes, esoteric shapes and stuff. That's just that's less interesting to a lot of people, especially new gamers. So the people that are like really hardcore into abstracts is a much smaller percentage of the market than you know people that look for theme. I think theme really sells. Yeah. So that's what Santorini has going for it. Especially here, right? I mean, that like that's a bigger thing in the American market is this yep. theme over, you know, mechanics. You know, you look at the heavy Euro stuff. 
Uh, you know, mm. maybe, maybe not as big a sell here, uh, you know, as it is overseas. Yeah, you're starting to see it change a little bit. I mean, there's definitely a Euro market in the U.S., but I, I think between the two, uh, for U.S. buyers, the definitely is theme over over lack of theme. Uh, and when you see, like, a Euro game that actually brings theme to it, uh, it kind of starts to cross those barriers and... and You'll see it be a lot more, a lot more people interested in those kind of games. Okay, cool. Now, do you guys think, like, is your feeling that you're specializing in, you know, smaller, quick to play games, you know, simple rules like that? Kind of, you know, the the dice series, you know, click, 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 boom is very simple. Not that there's not like an in depth strategy to, but but overall, the game designs are are fairly uh, not complicated. You know, more like a family style. Right. Uh, I'd say definitely the, the first things we, we have are more like straightforward, um, uh, shorter play times, um, things like that. So it's easier for people to kind of invest in us since we're new and, and they may not know about us. So this is sort of us being able to lay groundwork and go, yeah, we can deliver you high quality products. We can deliver you games that are fun, engaging, um, that are different levels. So like click, click, boom is far more of a, of a party lighter style game. Uh, Dice of crowns is more dice rolling with a little more like take that, you know, aspect to it. Um, Seals of Cthulhu is a lot more heavy strategy, but still something that, you know, you can kind of teach quickly and, and play several games over a lunch hour or something like that. Um, we definitely have some, uh, some games that are a little more heavier, um, medium weight to a little bigger but those are you know farther down the road just because those take a lot longer to design develop and dirty I, cup. Oh, go ahead. oh oh we're talking about dirty <laughs> cup. um uh, and on my end you know uh jumping into this and starting a company and and having never done this before you know there was a lot of stuff that needed to be learned and so uh i i, I kind of see this as as the slow steady slow steady turtle um, and, you know, and everything right now on Kickstarter, like, you know, big box miniature game with a bazillion miniatures for a hundred bucks is all the rage right now. But like, I, I stepped back from that and, and, you know, there was one point that Epperson started talking about something. I'm like, nope, like, I like, <laughs> nope, no, okay. That, that, that's, that's, that's down the road. That's a couple of years from now. Let, let, let's focus and get our, our processes working. Let's make sure that we understand the space. And then on my end. You know, I want a couple shots to better understand manufacturing, find some really solid manufacturing partners, figure out where we fail, um, and then make sure that we don't make that same mistake twice. And so a, a lot of what we do, um, and, and people ask me like, oh, you have a successful like board game publishing company, like how did you do it? Well, easy, we fail forward. Like, <laughs> like you know, we, 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 we you know, say, hey, we're gonna grab this and, and we do the best we possibly can and we make mistakes and we learn from them. and. The next time around, we're going to go a little bit bigger. You know, with Click, Click, Boom, that was the first time we had done a card-based game. And so, you know, under, for me on my end, understanding, you know, expectations a little bit different with, with manufacturing a card-based game versus manufacturing something like Dice of Crowns or Dice of Pirates, which is, you know, a, a tremendous, it's a different sort of work. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, if you follow along with the Dice of Pirates uh, Kickstarter right now, and, and seen all the updates, like we've been, we are behind. And the reason we're behind is that we've been fighting for quality of the components. Um, we, we've been, we have delayed because it didn't meet our expectations. 
Um, and, and so they're, out of everything that we've learned and everything that we failed forward, Dice of Pirates right now has actually been the best one uh, to learn from. Uh, timing wise, like one of the things that we talked about is I never wanted to, I kind of wanted to leapfrog with our Kickstarters where we would, you know, get one like through manufacturing and getting into fulfillment and then we would start on the next one. Um, but this one is kind of, we have delayed so far that like they're a little tighter than I want them to be. Um, but we're now at the point with Dice of Pirates where it's like, okay, we kind of just need to sit back. The manufacturer can now do their thing. We, we've gone and iterated. Um, and now we're kind of in the waiting game. So now is the point for Thing 12 to say, okay, well, you know, what are we doing next? And what's the next thing in the hopper that makes sense to us? And with Seals of Cthulhu, this is kind of the next thing keeps it small. But our hope is that we can take the quality level to the next level. And we actually want... We want to make something that I don't think, I don't know. Do I, I don't want to spoil it. Do I want to spoil it? <laughs> spoil it, spoil it. <laughs> like, 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 like for me, the motivation and the reason I said, yes, let's do this one next is because I wanted to create an experience. Um, the, the game is compact. It's, it's the components are simple. It's a high strategy game. It's kind of like chess. You're really never playing the same game twice. The things that we want to add and bring to add to the game um, really helped to blossom into the next level. But when Epperson pitched it and we started talking about it, I got really excited. And maybe it's because I had just seen Harry Potter and Jumanji like back to back. But I started thinking about, I started thinking about like Jumanji. And in Jumanji, like the original, not the terrible remake, uh, in the original, like they find the box and like they open up the box and it's it's this experience. It's almost like you're playing this thing. And then tie that in with like seeing Harry Potter and this idea of like horcruxes. This idea of like, oh, look, it's this evil, it's this thing. And I went, well, like, Epperson, wait a minute. Like, what if we made it more than just cards? What if we made it an experience? And so a lot of the stretch goals that we have set up, I'm going to spoil it a little bit. I'm sorry, Epperson. A lot of the stretch goals that we have set up are building around this idea, building around this that it's more than just a card game. It's more than just a box that you open up that has tarot-sized cards and it has a couple other components. But, like we're going to warn you like 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 this is this is more than just a card game the idea here is that this is something that you found in an antique shop in that back room up on that shelf covered in 30 to 50 years of dust and so we really want to we really want to play up this idea of creating an experience and so every component the goal of every component is, is, to, is to really drive towards that. And so to do Kickstarters correctly, we need to make sure that we're gonna hit a, a good price point. We need to make sure that we, we can kind of get in there with something that people will engage on, but we can't, we can't say, okay, yeah, we need $50,000 for this card game because no one's, no one's going to back us, no one's going to take us seriously. So entering into our Kickstarter, we kind of have the bare minimum to get us started. And then we already have all of our stretch goals laid out of, okay, how much is it going to cost us? Okay, we're gonna get, and we're gonna try to get to these stretch goals as fast as possible. And, it, and it's improving the, the components, um, in, improving the experience. Oh, I, I kind of want to give some stuff away, but I kind of don't. <laughs> um, and then um, also being able to kind of build out the game a little bit more. So it's, it's, it's the like, here's the bare minimum. And if we just fund, like here's the bare minimum, but we have, what, 15, 16 stretch goals wow. that, that I'm hoping we can hit very, very quickly um, to, to, to not only improve the experience, but also to improve the, the quality of the game. And then again, something else that we do at Thing 12 is I want to 
I'm fighting actively to keep the price point low. And so I always, I always try to figure out like, you know, like what are our margins and how much is it going to cost us? And the rule of thumb is that it, in, in the board game space, here's, here's, here's the rule of thumb for those that, you know, are trying to think about starting a board game company is you're supposed to 5X. You're supposed to 5X your cost. So if it costs you, um, you know, if it costs you $5, then you should be charging $25. And that's how like, you know, businessman Sean here is supposed to make money to create a profitable company. Um, but we don't do that. And I don't do that on purpose because for me, for, for Epperson, this isn't about making money. This is about let's make a great game with great quality components and let's put it at a price where, you know, yes, we can keep the lights on or, you know, uh, what, what have I been saying for the last month? Let's put some money in the war chest, right. <laughs> um, you know, to pay for cake. Wasn't going to bring it up. Um, <laughs> uh. Uh, um, you know, but but let's keep the price point low. And whenever I talk to pe uh, talk to people at conventions and at, at, at dealer booths, you know, specifically like Dice of Crowns and Dice of Pirates, like we're charging fifteen bucks, and and it costs me more to make Dice of Crowns and Dice of Pirates than it does like Click Click Boom. But at you know at fifteen dollars, that is an amazing price point, and so I want to keep it there. And we are trying to figure out on our end, how can we optimize what we're doing to actually make that more financially viable? But a, a, a dice of game will never be more than 15 bucks, no matter how high quality those components are. The, the thing for us is we will pack it full, we will make the best possible game and we will keep the price point the same. Well, and that's, and I, and I think people, I mean, I know I appreciate it. I, I think gamers in general appreciate that you guys deliver high quality, good price, Usually on time. I mean, you know, you guys aren't really that far behind. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's. It, I think it shows and it comes through, and it and it and it shows in the passion when you guys when you talk about all this stuff, and, and you're out and you're talking and you're you know showing you know doing the demos and you're you know trying to engage people and engage kids and like like all that stuff comes through. I I think that's awesome. I mean, that's, I mean, I mean, right now for, for as far as like not being on time. That's that is going to happen for about the time, right? Yeah, like sure. your best intentions, like things are going to go weird. But one of the things that we've been very adamant about is staying up with communication with our backers. You know, I've I've been a part of I've backed several games where everybody just goes, you know, goes dark for months on end. And then three, four or five months later, they, they come back they're like, oh, yeah, sorry. You know, <laughs> by the way, here's where things are like, dude, come on. Like yeah. we're investing in you show some respect for that. So it's important for us for any time we have an update or if it's been just a little little long, like, OK, we haven't talked to anybody. We need to you know, get an update out there. Hey, here's what's going on. And just being you know, upfront with people like, OK, we're a little behind. Here is exactly why, you know, manufacturing was doing this or the colors weren't right for that. So we had to make some adjustments. Here's what we, here's the problems that we saw. Here's what we're doing to fix it. So, and we've actually seen comments from people going, yeah, you know, they're, they're a little behind, but they're actually, you know, they really communicate with us. So I really appreciate that. I had, I got some messages. Uh, I got some messages from people saying, you guys communicate too much. <laughs> and, and I was like, you know what? Like, 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 uh, or, you know, when we do this, like, it's not just us, like, you know, using Seals of Cthulhu as an example, you know, Epi, you've been working on this for over a year. We brought on Sun to do the art. Like there's, there's been a lot going into this. And so what I get excited about specifically with building the community on Kickstarter is that it's an opportunity to be a part of the process. It's an opportunity. Like I, I want to hear your feedback. 
and, and I'm really excited about uh, the Seals of Cthulhu going to Kickstarter uh, Tuesday, 8 a.m., May 22nd. See what I did? But what, what I'm really excited about is not only is, is trying to put out, you know, getting, getting money to be able to manufacture this and get this out to people, but I'm excited about the community. And I'm excited about teasing out some of these things that we want to do and kind of talking about like, oh, I want to spoil it, Epi. No. Um, you know, talking about like, yes, it's a game and it's easily approachable and it's high strategy, but we're trying to create this experience and we might do these things that, oh, come on, can I spoil nope. it? Nope. Can I spoil it? I will, I will say there's, there's a certain stretch goal that we have planned that does something that I haven't seen done in the board game industry. No. No, nah. <laughs> I haven't seen done in the board game industry in the way that we're doing it, which I'm super excited about. So, very cool. Nah. Come nah. on, nah. I'm. You nope. realize nah. I'm the worst person, like with birthdays. Nope. Like you can't put a present under the tree and put my name on it. Like I will seriously uh, want to. Like, come on, can't we just? I know you're so. You're the one supposed to be stopping me. <laughs> what? I'm just so excited about this thing. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm, you know, and, and it's a lot of it, some of the, you know, on the stretch holds, it's a lot of the basic stuff, which, which are the kind of like, hey, we're going to improve the card stock and put in linen finish and UV spot coating and a lot of those things that I consider standard. And, and honestly, with those, like those are actually the stretch goals that we put at the end, because, you know, those are what I think the people backers on Kickstarter are already going to expect. And I kind of don't want to go out the gate with like, hey, stretch goal one, we made the cards thicker. That's not exciting. Like, hey, let's give you another Elder God. Let's give you the thing that I'm not allowed to talk about, Epperson. <laughs> well, and it's cool. You know, you talk about thematic experience and all that stuff. So, like, you know, the box design that looks like a torn old book and, you know, all the stuff. Like, it completely plays to the to the aesthetic of, oh, hey, let me lock in on that. There you go. Uh, it, you know, completely plays into the aesthetic of of the Lovecraft universe. So it's very cool, and uh, and it's and it's cool for me that you're so excited because it makes me more excited because you know I'm into Lovecraft and all that kind of stuff. Like we go to Necronomicon, and like I'm super excited for this one to come out. Yay! <laughs> so are we. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so are we. We've we've been staying up. We've been staying up late nights for the past month and just trying to get this Kickstarter ready to go. And 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 for me, like. I, I was I Kickstarters kind of just they they escape. Like I, I don't think we're ever good with it. The advantage, <laughs> the advantage, the advantage with this though is like, okay, we get it out there and then we have, you know, 26 to 28 days to continue to refine it, to continue to improve it, to to help to clarify points and 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 areas. And again, back to community, you know, when people come up with questions, you know, we, we I'm all about like building out the fact and 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 updating the page and and um you know, the Kickstarter for us is kind of a full-time job. Everyone that we've done, you know, we've had we have five people that are staring at the Kickstarter um, at any given time, and we kind of pride ourselves on like, hey, you're going to ask a question. Like, we want to respond as fast as possible uh, and to help to facilitate conversation or to answer questions. And and a lot of times, people come up with really great ideas that we haven't thought of, um, and we try to figure out how, like, okay, like, could we do that as a stretch goal? Can, how can we build that in? And it's me turning around and running back to the manufacturer and saying, hey, what if we did X? How much would that cost us to do? And then trying to make that work. And and I'm excited, but it, it, it's going to be a ride. It'll be, you know, do we have an end date? Are we just saying 28 days? Do we have an end date yet, Epi? Uh, that's on you. You tell me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I guess, I'll, I guess we'll end eventually. Um, 
but I mean, it's a full ride. It is, it is a, it is a full ride. And at the end of the 28 to 30 day, you, okay. Uh, what is it? Those that are doing kick are wants to do a Kickstarter in the board game space. Don't go over 30 days ever. Mm -hmm. All that matters is your first two days and your last two days. And, uh, uh, that, that's a freebie from uncle Sean here. <laughs> um, but, uh, it's a ride and, and, and you're constantly updating and you're constantly communicating and not just on the Kickstarter page, you know, doing stuff like this and on our Facebook page and, and getting out the word as much as we possibly can to get Twitter, people in yeah. and to get people excited. But literally like the moment, the moment that Kickstarter closes, I'm, I'm collapsed. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm, I'm like, okay, like I need, I need two days of like, leave me alone. Um, and then you play the waiting game. And uh, a fun fact about Kickstarter, this will be the third, the third point for people that want to do this. The amount of money that you, your Kickstarter closes with isn't the amount of money that you end up with. And a lot of people don't realize that. Um, there's, there's the processing fees, there's the Kickstarter fees, but there's also the dropped backers. Um, there's, there's people that literally after the fact, after it closes, like they have like the not legit credit card in there and suddenly you're not able to actually get all of that money. Um, so you get, you will get a subset of, of whatever it says on, on your Kickstarter. Um, I'm not going to go into the details, but you know, a, a project like click, click, boom, we, it was one of those where we were able to barely fund. And one of the challenges that we had with click, click, boom is that, um, if you come to my dealer table uh, for KublaCon Memorial Day weekend in San Francisco, um, and I get you to play it, it's a no-brainer. You play it, you love it, you buy it. But and 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 when we won the Lucy Award at the Evergreen Tabletop Expo uh, last year for it, and people played it and they loved it and they enjoyed it, but it didn't Kickstarter well. Yeah. Like it, it it didn't it didn't Kickstarter well for us, and we kind of we were in the Kickstarter space at that time where there was a lot of. Uh, high-profile, like, big-box miniature games. So, you know, hey, do I buy that big-box miniature game for 100 bucks, or do I support this thing that, like, I think it could be a filler game, but I don't know. And so, you know, we definitely had a challenge there. Um, and we were able to fund, but in the end, after we closed and after we had the fees taken out and the dropped backers, we actually had less money on that Kickstarter than we originally had needed. Um, and so that was that that was a challenge for us is is, you know, hey, we're hitting all of these stretch goals and those stretch goals are going to cost us additional money. And what we ended up with was was not able to meet what we needed. Uh, definitely a challenge of, of doing Kickstarters. But at the end of the day, like we are committing to the community and we are going to do everything we possibly can to make the best, uh, the highest quality game. And if that means we have to you know put some of our own money into that, then we're going to do that because we are. Going to Kickstarter, we are making a promise to the community, and and we are going to do everything we can to deliver that. And if we're late, we're late because I would rather be late with the best possible game than on time with a piece of crap. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, I'm going to jump in real quick. Eric Portnoy's in the chat. He says he's ready to go with Twitter. So as soon as the spoiler drops, it's everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh, love you, Eric. <laughs> are, 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 does that mean we have an official leak uh, at? Uh, no, <laughs> Eric's a friend of mine. You're not saying anything. What is <laughs> you? in the comments? <laughs> hey, he's not in there, so uh, you know. Hey, Epperson, my lips are sealed. <laughs> You're ready to jump in the chat here. Mike, <laughs> what did you just do? What did you just do? Well, that's cool. I, you know, and it, it's you know to go back to 
you know, uh, you know, the game is, is quote unquote late, but like you say, you have good communications. I mean, I have, you know, Tasty Minstrel's a, a, you know, a, a bigger, you know, bigger name, big name. And, you know, I, uh, back to Crusaders. And I think that's supposed to technically be shipping right now. Nah, it's not. I mean, it's just, it, I think it's part of Kickstarter now. I think it should be an expectation. You know, if you get your game on time, great. That's awesome. If it's two months late, okay, well, I mean, you've got my money already, whatever. As long as I'm getting my game, I don't care. And yeah. then when it comes, it's like, oh, shit, I got a game today. That's awesome. <laughs> like, you know, it's like getting a little present a year down the road or a year and a half down the road. And, uh, and uh, as, as we're talking about, like, lessons that we've learned, one of the things that we do um, when we do, uh, like, fulfillment um, is we actually we delay getting our pledge manager out on purpose um, because I've seen a lot of Kickstarters where it's like, hey, we just funded and tomorrow like pledge manager goes live and it'll be open for a month and you'll put your address in and then we'll be delayed by a year and then we'll ship out and oh crap, like we never went back to make sure you're still at the same address. And now we're dealing with like pledges coming back or going to the wrong spot. And so one of the things that we do is we actually delay launching pledge manager um, and then we try to hold it open as long as possible. Um, to make sure that everybody's up to date with the proper addresses. And then at the same time, Dice of Pirates, perfect example, like we stayed open an extra month trying to gently nudge people to uh, put in their addresses. And in the end, we have like 17% of our backers that still didn't do that. Um, and, and so I have I have 17% of our backers that I have to follow up to individually that you know, we'll be getting them in, in, the, sec in the second run. Um, so it's funny, I actually... Uh, for the Seals of Cthulhu uh, Kickstarter coming to Kickstarter uh, May 22nd, Tuesday morning, 8 a.m. Uh, I just wrote the risks and challenges. Uh, and, and it's a section that now, this is our fourth Kickstarter, but it's now a section that I take really, really seriously as 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 a creator on, on Kickstarter. And it's one now that I'm hoping that everybody will read. Like, this is our fourth Kickstarter. We've, you know, we've done this three times. Here's what, you know, here's honestly straightforward not pulling punches. Here's what we're concerned about. And one of them on there is, you know, hey backers, like you can't get your game if we don't have your address. Um, but I, I'm, I, I want, I, I want to try to map all of that out. And, and again, I want to, I want people to be a part of the process and I want people to, to understand. And um, we've had a lot of people reach out, like asking questions, like, how are you doing manufacturing and what are your challenges? And I'm always there to answer. And I'm always there to help. Um, but we want to make it transparent. Uh, but yeah, uh, delay your pledge manager to the, as far as you possibly can, because that'll save you some headache uh, in the end. Sure. Now, uh, you know, as, as far as Kickstarter lessons and things, and, and maybe this one's more for uh, Epperson, uh, now that you guys are getting ready to start a new Kickstarter, uh, May 22nd at 8 o'clock on Tuesday, um, are it. you... Are you getting any, you know, sort of blowback or, or any feedback to be like, hey, you know, I, I backed, you know, Dice of Pirates hasn't got yet. Like, like, why is the, where's the new Kickstarter? Like, why is this happening? You know, because people get funny about that kind of stuff. And, and you know, maybe, maybe there's grounds for some of it because maybe some people have been screwed before and, you know, they've backed three or four projects from the same people. Maybe they didn't get any or maybe they got one and, you know, things are just delayed forever. Uh, but but you're shaking your head no, so you're, you're not getting I mean, any I, of that. As as uh, so far we haven't, but I, I'm expecting that I'm expecting that uh, to to come up after we launch. For from my perspective, we are at the point where our hands are off. Um, our hands are off. It is it's now it's now doing its thing at the quality that we want, and so now we can kind of we can kind of turn gears and 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 focus on the next project, um, and we'll leapfrog as soon as 
the Seals of Cthulhu Kickstarter is finished, then I take I take two days off to basically collapse into a ball in the corner, and then I shift gears to doing Dice of Pirates uh, fulfillment. So I focus on that, and then we have the team uh, that's working on Cthulhu. We have an amazing graphic designer, uh, our amazing artist uh, artists. Um, and they focus on starting to build out the manufactured uh, uh, assets. So we're, we're working in tandem. We're working together. Um, but we're making it a point to not do too much. I, I, I know what you're about to jump in and say. Um, originally, our goal was to get a cat um, and to have it be a part of the podcast. And and uh, <laughs> you said you the cat was going to happen. Um, <gasps> Originally, what we wanted to do, our plan was to do four Kickstarters in uh, in 2018 for Thing 12 games, and we had the games like we have the games lined up, um, and we quickly realized that yes, we could, um, but one, it would kill us because we all have day jobs. This is what we do for fun, but two, it wouldn't be fair. Uh, it wouldn't be fair to the community, to, to the community that we're building up. Um, and while we could be moving faster, I didn't want us to get into a situation where, oh, yeah, look, this next one's going and we haven't fulfilled this and we haven't gone into manufacturing on that. Um, I wanted to keep it very straightforward. And, and, and the way that I always go back to the team is we're leapfrogging. And now we're at a point where we can leapfrog to the next one. And we're not going to go to the third project until Dice of Pirates is completely finished. So we always want to have two things that are kind of in the works for us. Well, I think there's another point to bring up is that because we're so communicative, with the people that are the backers of Dice of Pirates, it's not like, you know, we're gone for three months and like, oh, hey guys, guess what? We've got a new Kickstarter up. It's like, they see the progress that we're making. Uh, they see like, okay, the, the dice are getting done and they're the wrong color. So they've gone back and made changes and this is what the new color is. They're happy with that. So they see that getting getting done. So they know it's actually moving forward and, and gonna be delivered because you know we're following through on what we're saying so i'm actually less concerned about people going oh why are you putting up a new kickstarter like no they're they're clearly working on this other one because they keep showing us stuff and keep talking to us yep. we can't get them to shut up yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> well and, and there's a real balancing act right so for a smaller company you know you you're saying you don't want to saturate the market you don't want to overtax yourselves but you know but there is that fine line between like hey we have to have something coming out because if we're not doing this then the company is not progressing. We're not making, you know, any money, you know, not that, you know, making a ton of money, but, you know, you, you, things are not happening if, if you're not pushing things forward. So I, you know, I think, I, I think, I think people understand that on some level, but then I guess, you know, on, on some other level, it's like, I paid my money. I want, <laughs> I want my game. You know, I think we're a very impatient society. So I think, you know, some of that tends to, to creep into some of these things, it's, you know, especially when you hear some of the horror stories about Kickstarter and, you know, stuff like that, where things funded and people disappeared. And I, I don't think that's huge. Right. I mean, I, I like, there's a handful, I think I can count on one hand, you know, the number of, of projects that have been like, wow, this guy made this. And, you know, we never saw him again, you know? Well, I've backed, uh, God, over 200 projects. And <laughs> that's embarrassing. <laughs> I, I quickly got the super backer, like, you know, reward or whatever. Um, and all of the things I've backed, there are only three. Three. Well, th there's four that haven't delivered yet. There's one that uh, I is never going to deliver. You know, I've just given up on that one. Uh, there's another one that. Uh, I know the designer and I've been talking to him and he's had a lot of issues, but apparently it, it is one I think is going to eventually show up. 
Uh, there's a third is, is one. That, is that the one? I'm not going to name it. Is that the ones that we almost jumped in on? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then there's a third one that has been making a lot of um, public uh, awareness because they haven't fulfilled two projects and they're seeking funding for their company, like trying to get investors uh, because the person that ran it all just mismanaged everything. Um, I don't think that's ever going to happen, but who knows? You know, it's so. a good thing that the person that manages Think 12 Games doesn't mismanage anything ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're actually smart about, like, you don't rush into things with um, a really poor understanding of things, and you don't treat the people that we work with like garbage. I treat you like garbage. Would you say oh, I'm yeah. the voice of reason, then, for Think 12 Games? <laughs> Yeah, I'm the one that pushes on you, and and you're you're the one that's like, no, we can't do this, but we could do this. Like, oh, okay, fine. It's now the point to talk about the cake. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's coming out of my money. I'm paying for the cake. Shut up. Yeah, and then that'll go into pre-production costs for this. I'll I'll have to pay it. Absolutely will. <laughs> <laughs> so 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 Sean H is like the work wife, you know. Sean E is, hey, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do that, and he's like. Now, hold on. <laughs> did you seriously just call me the work wife? I did. Yeah, uh, I did. You call yourself the work wife, yeah. <laughs> ironically. Yeah, not wrong, not wrong. Oh, Lord. I'm, I'm the one that has to rein him in. I'm, I'm a, and, and, and half the time it drives me crazy because half the time he's literally like, we have to do this thing. <laughs> and I'm like, no, we don't have the money for it. And then he's like, I'm doing it anyways. And then. And then uh, um, halfway through, I realized that it's a really good idea and it pisses me off because he's right. Uh, perfect example uh, is uh, for Seals of Cthulhu for, uh, for the Kickstarter page. We have, uh, we have a high level backer tier. Um, and, and so somebody in this conversation, not gonna name names, somebody <laughs> took it upon themselves to do a thing. And uh, I thought it was that right, yeah. Oh, look at that. So Epi found, uh, found and custom made, and we were only able to find a small number of these. Though the question I have for you, Epi, is did you actually make sure that everything fits into that? Yes, everything does. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just going to put that out there. That was one of my questions. And so we were only able to find a small quantity of those boxes and, and, and had them custom engraved and, and uh, custom done up. And I'm, I'm I, am, I will admit I am now very excited about this. But when he first uh, literally started running, like, I'm doing this thing. And I was like, hold on. Um, but I'm really excited. Uh, and But it's going to be a limited exclusive tier. There's only six of those. We were only able to get six boxes. So th this is a limited exclusive tier of six. You will get this super sexy box. Um, and we actually tried to find more. We called every uh, every store that we could. I actually reached out to the distributor who distributed these. They didn't have any more. They were a dead end. And I went so far as to actually find the the manufacturer in China that made the boxes. And I was like, hey, if we needed like 50 of these, how much would it cost? And then I realized that that financially didn't make sense at all. Um, so yeah, so we have this amazing uh, uh, limited exclusive uh, Seals of Cthulhu that six backers will get uh, probably within two months after we close. They'll also get a regular manufactured version of the game, but this super limited edition. Um, and then one of the things that Epi and I haven't talked about is, you know that spoiler thing that I kind of like, I want to, like, I really want to talk about. <laughs> no. Like, we really need to figure out 
how to get it into that. So um, I'm really excited. This is going to be amazing tier, and and I want to push the the team further with what can we do for these six backers. We're hoping that people will back to get the this very uh, limited exclusive um, version of of Seals of Cthulhu. Um, but yeah, what if I should totally back and get one of those? Uh, but yeah, that, I mean, you know, that, that, that's an example of a good thing. You know, an example of the bad thing would be the cake. <laughs> the cake could be awesome. The cake, Epperson. Wait till you see it. It's going to be another one like, okay, fine. It looks you awesome. Will, you're killing me slowly with fucking cake. Can I cuss? I'm totally cussing. I don't care. You, you can do it. It's fine. <laughs> it, did, did you have, uh, I forget the Twitter handle, uh, Sugar High Score? Uh, she's up in uh, in your area, right? Did she make she the cake? She is. Um, I actually talked to her, but unfortunately, she was booked solid. Uh, oh. Uh, so um, I talked to another person that uh, I'm waiting until it gets done before I you know, broadcast anything to see if something goes wrong. Um, but this person has made some incredibly cool stuff. And basically, we're, we're having a big launch party at Zulu's Board Game Cafe in Bothell on Tuesday, May 22nd. Hey, that's the day the Kickstarter <laughs> goes live at 8 a.m. Yes. So I, I wanted to have something cool there, you know, not just the game that we're demoing, but also like just something kind of fun. And when I saw one of the cakes that she did, um, she did this gauntlet, uh, a Thanos gauntlet, the Infinity Gauntlet. And it looked like the gauntlet. She did a fantastic job. It's amazing looking. So I contacted her and was like, hey, you know, I would like to do this thing. And, you know, here's kind of what I'm thinking. And we went back and forth and like yeah that that sounds cool so you know i i ponied up the dough to to have it and it's something that we'll have at, at zulu's for anyone that shows up no <laughs> is it an actual like cthulhu like is it a three-dimensional i'll be i'll be sending it it's a three-dimensional cake uh i'm not gonna say what it is yet whether it'd be kind of a surprise and people show up but i will be taking pictures and putting them on social media and for anyone that can't come and all that sort of stuff <laughs> all right so, so, so Harold, does, does Epperson like just walk by the office and just kind of like whisper the ideas and walk away? So like maybe you catch them and maybe you don't. Is that how this dynamic works? Or no, I find that after the fact. <laughs> I thought I'm doing this, this thing. Yeah. And uh, I mean, sometimes there's been some things that we've talked about, and when we sit down to talk about you know kickstarters and stretch goals and things that we want to do, we we'll take some time to kind of like spitball like if we had all of the you know manufacturing money in the world like what would be the crate you know the craziest things that we would want to do and we kind of just throw everything out there and kind of figure out what makes sense for us to to, to tackle in manufacturing um and uh you know for me i'm always looking for opportunities to to do something new uh you know with with dice of crowns with dice of pirates we've kind of you know i got all excited about doing custom dice and getting those in engraved and the custom tokens and we learned all about how to do that uh and doing the crown and um you know so that was fun and easy and i feel like we kind of have a good handle on that the pirate ship for dice of pirates that was a whole nother ball of wax that was kind of our first real like mini um and and we uh we learned a lot we learned a lot from doing that but now i kind of feel like like we've We've stepped into the, you know, into the manufacturing. I, I feel like we could do minis now. I'm not saying we should run Epperson. I'm not saying we should run <laughs> off and do a game with minis right now because that'll kill me. Um, but we have a better understanding. And I have a lot more respect for those board game uh, publishers that are doing those big box miniatures with like a bazillion and one custom minis because we did one and it was a simple pirate ship. And that was three months of hell. Um, 
but we learned a lot. We made some mistakes. We learned a lot, and now we have we have a better set to move forward. But with uh, Seals of Cthulhu, this is an opportunity for us, from a company perspective, to actually be doing something that we've never done before uh, from the manufacturing side. So I'm kind of excited about that. That that we are going to be doing something new. Um, I can't talk about it because I'm not allowed to talk about it, <laughs> Sean Everson. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> So, so this new game that, that we're hearing about, Sean, is, is this is your uh, second design credit for, for Thing 12s? This will be my second design credit. That's correct. Yep. Yeah, technically, your second. P- published. Assuming that it funds. It's and all not that published yet. <laughs> right. <laughs> technically, my third that's gone out in the public. So is that. But, uh... So Dirty Cops, as you mentioned earlier, Dirty Cops would be the first one. Um, right. and, and we are we're planning to do a Dirty Cops reboot uh probably probably in 2019 we're only going to do uh, the plan for us is to do one more kickstarter this year we were originally going to do four but we're only going to do one more in the back half of the year uh and it won't be dirty cops uh so that means that dirty cops will probably be sometime in 2019 um but we also have the next dice of game going out in 2019 as well i'm not going to spoil uh i won't spoil uh, what that one's going to be Pirates uh, and ninjas. Uh, ooh. Um, no, so we uh, there the the back half of this year. There's something that we're excited about uh, that I'm super super excited about. It's a new genre of game for us. Um, and then uh, I think we'll kind of you know once we get through that Kickstarter, we'll kind of take a moment to kind of you know reflect and figure out where we're at. But I'm really hoping I'm really hoping that we can do three uh, Kickstarters next year, and I'm hoping that Dirty Cops uh, reboot will be one of them because the changes and the adjustments that we made to the game, I'm I'm, I'm much more excited about the game than I was before. Well, I, the design I, is good. I've just read a spoiler. It's been confirmed. Uh, I think it's out on, on Twitter now. Uh, Thing 12 announces a line of high-quality Cthulhu miniatures packed in a, at a $15 price point. Uh, dice game 10. So, Off to BGG News. Yeah, 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 thanks, Eric. Appreciate that. <laughs> how, okay. How, actually, how many could we fit into a 10? <laughs> Oh, now bigger team, I think. <laughs> we should tell Badger that. We should tell Badger uh, uh, that, I guess, you know, it's been spoiled. We got to do this thing. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so maybe we should talk about this game then, right? I mean, it's been like an hour and whatever. So so tell us, uh, what, what seals of Cthulhu? How do you play? What, what What's the design like? What, what, what are we talking about here? So Seals of Cthulhu is a two-player game where you're going to be competing against another player. Uh, one of them is a cultist. The other is an investigator, and they're basically going to be going back and forth, vying for ultimately control points, which are victory points in the game. Uh, everybody starts with six cards in your hand, which I've got four right here. Ta-da! Uh, so you'll have six cards in your hand. You have perfect information at the start of the game because the six cards that you have are the six cards that the other player has. Uh, the points that are on the card and the, and the currency values that are on the card are opposite of each other. So for example, I have a card in my hand that is, let's say I'm the cultist. So I've got this card here, which is the gate. So it's worth five victory points, so five control points, uh, but it's only worth one as far as currency goes. Now you've got the other half of this. You notice that half of the art is on the card. Now you've got the other half and your half is going to be worth one victory point, but it's gonna be worth five currency. So what I'll be doing is I will put a card down, face down, and I'm going to put out a bid. I've got these uh, these units that I'm going to be using that I'm offering to you in order to get control of this card. Now, you have to try and decide, well, 
is it worth whatever that I'm offering to you just take that that currency that I'm giving you so that I can get the card? Or do you want to like try and outbid me to get control over this? Because you don't know what it is. So there's kind of a bit of like back and forth bidding, uh, a little bit of bluffing, a little bit of suckering people until finally one person gets whatever's on top and the other person gets the card. So once a card is face up, then you can use it again for your bidding power. So again, not very useful when I go to bid because I know this is a card that's more focused on me as a cultist. Now your version, you know, is something that I really want. So if you have this card, your version of this card face up, uh, let's uh, grab this one here. So it actually thematically looks different. So you can tell the difference there. Your version is worth five. So if you have this face up, you can actually bid with this card and it counts as five units of currency and you only start with four. So this is a super strong card for you to bid with. But the danger is that if you get, if you summon the entity and create both halves of the image, then you actually get to use the ability on the card. Now, the gates ability is if you control them both, uh, you're going to flip one face down. So likely you're, you're going to flip the one that's not worth very many victory points face down. And then you can flip another face down card face up. So if, if the other player has a, a really bad card on their side, let's uh, let's say this guy here, the Shoggoth, it's minus three victory points at the top here. Uh, if they've managed to put that face down, well, you can actually flip that face up. And now it's, again, stinging them for minus three victory points. Um, the cultist cards, uh, cultist focus cards, are all about making things happen, bringing things into the world. Uh, the investigators' cards are all about stopping that, about shutting them down, putting things face down. Uh, so there's this interesting um, diametric opposition between the two, uh, the investigator and the cultist. And you start with six cards, but you're only going to be playing five. So you'll even at the last turn, you don't have perfect information. You have, you'll see what everything is face up. So you're like, well, either they're playing this or that. How much am I really willing to invest to try and do these? Um, games, some, some games can go like really swingy if you just lose control of things and you know player just runs away with it. Uh, but if both players are playing smartly, most games tend to be like a one, two, three victory point swing. Yeah, most of the games we've played have been like that. Because um, I'm looking at the Cthulhu card, because we haven't played with the Cthulhu. We've been you know, trying to like play basic game and you know sort of go through. And I think all the games have been one or maybe two points. I don't think anybody's like really hammered. But I'm looking at Cthulhu, I'm like, well, why did I get rid of all of my cards? And I'm like, oh, shit, that's really worth 12. Like, 12 yeah. is essentially a victory if you're if you're playing the right that's, way. That's the, the big bad. I mean, you can't yeah. have a Cthulhu game without Cthulhu. Yeah, so, yeah. And the interesting thing, so... Uh, most of the cards in your hand are going to be the opposite of each other. So, which like can I just say when when I first looked at the cards, I was like, "Wow, that is so cool! Like so thematically appropriate." And so I was like, "Wow, these are inversely proportional. That is so cool because I want this one, and he doesn't. Oh, that's just so cool! Blew my <laughs> mind when I printed a man cut. I'm like, "Oh, that's amazing." But then to kind of like change that up a little bit, the uh, the elder gods are all worth. The same, so he's six victory points both on the cultist side and the investigator side, but only worth one. Now the danger of summoning Cthulhu is he destroys everything that is face up in front of you. So if you trigger him too early, or if one player gets it out and like, all right, I've got six victory points, you could actually sucker the other player into winning that card. They get it, 
well, they get 12 victory points, but they just wipe out everything else that they've got because he's the world killer. Yeah. That And that's actually how the game kind of came about from a conceptual standpoint. Uh, I The idea I had was um, I thought it'd be really interesting if I had cards in my hand that I knew you would want. And you had cards in you hand, your hand that you knew I would want, but they weren't really valuable to us individually. And I, that, that sounded like a really interesting, you know, juxtaposition. So um, I created the kind of a quick, um, using some blank cards, you know, prototyped it up. And the interesting thing was when I, I created it and tried and played it and like, you know what? This is not fun. It's terrible. <laughs> it was one of the worst designs I'd put together. Like I, I didn't like it. I didn't see that spark of fun or, or there was no interest. I'm like, whatever. I just took all the cards together, swept them up and tossed them in my design designer box. I keep all this stuff and forgot about it for six, eight months or so, maybe a little bit more. And we were going to, uh, to a friend's house for doing some gaming and stuff. And I just happened to get it out and was getting something out. And I saw those cards. I'm like, hey, I remember this game. It's going to be terrible. <laughs> and I was just, I kind of sat down. I was kind of like flipping through them. And all of a sudden I had this moment of inspiration, like, oh my gosh, I think I know what to do to fix this. And so I just I ran off the table and quickly like mocked them up again and ran off to our game night. I'm like, okay, guys, I know we're gonna play some stuff, but before we do anything, we gotta play this. I gotta know if this is like at l- interesting or fun at all. And uh, it was. It was really interesting and and had this really spark of, of fun that I was just completely missing. So uh, at that point, I'm like, all right, now we can you know start chugging away on this. This this actually is really cool. Very cool. I I also didn't realize when we had been playing. Uh, that the Shoggoth was worth minus victory points. Now, clearly, it's marked red, whatever. But the, you know, the print and play cards are are on the small side, so we're like, all right, well, these are both worth three, I guess. You know, that's cool. And then I was I was listening to Kurt's interview with you over on the MFG cast, and I'm like, wait, that's worth negative. So go over to the shelf, pull out the bag, pull it. I'm like, son of a bitch, we've been playing this the wrong way. Yeah, those minus victory points, man. That'll that'll nail you. Uh, so the interesting thing is that. Um, you can only each card has an ability, and you marry them both together to use that ability. But you can only do that on your turn. Right. So if I've got half of a Shoggoth, I can't use his ability until I marry it. So the danger is if you've got it and you manage to stick me with it, and it's not my turn or in the game, and like my turn's done. Well, I'm just sitting here with negative six victory points that I can't do anything about. And that's that's happened to me a couple of times. Like, oh, it's a beating. Oh, it's got wrecked. Yeah, no, that's very cool. And and uh, Harold said earlier they're they're big um, uh, tarot size cards. So the art is. I mean, the art is amazing. I mean, it's beautiful, uh, and it's really gonna pop on those big side cards. I mean, it was one of the first things I think I asked you a question. I'm like. Are these big cards? And you were like, oh, yeah, definitely. I'm like, All right, cool. <laughs> yeah, I've got, uh, let me grab a magic card here. So, like, this is a, a like a standard tarot size, and here's a magic size. So, that's definitely what we're going to be going for. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Sun's art process. Uh, so, he is a classic painter. So, he's actually doing all of the art in the game is watercolor paintings. And cool. I love that aspect of it because it really gives it this sort of ethereal, um, mystical sort of look. And uh, so he, he does these like real world paintings of everything. And then he brings it into Photoshop, scans it and tweaks it a little bit, you know, messes with it a little bit. And then, you know, it's good to go for him. It was really interesting because 
he had to cre create these images that weren't just mirror of each other, but he had to bisect the images in half. So from just a layout perspective, that was really challenging. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, it would be really easy just to go, okay, I'm just going to draw half of it and then mirror it and boop, I'm good. Uh, he is a much more, um, I'm not, I mean, he's a very talented artist, but he, he believes in the integrity of what he's doing. So he didn't want to do something just kind of hackneyed like that. Um, uh, Necronomicon is a good example. Oh yeah. I got in here somewhere. Um, there's also a bunch of uh, special uh, character abilities that everybody gets access to. So there's, uh, we'll be we'll be launching the Kickstarter with uh, there it is. We'll be launching the Kickstarter with two uh, special powers on the investigator side and the cultist side. Um, so there's the the Necronomicon. Ding. Um, so you'll you'll pick your ability, and it's uh, the very asymmetric powers uh, that they'll you'll be able to do different things uh, based on kind of like how you play, and it sort of informs you of like kind of how you want to approach the game, or or some things you want to do. Like one of the one of the cultist powers is being able to capture the other opponent's uh, forces, the the things that they're giving you, the, these guys that are working for them, and hold on to them. And if you have all of them at the end of the game, you're going to be scoring points. For each of those, so I actually played with uh, with Take Your Chits uh, recently, and I was playing that cultist, and I just I kept capturing his guys and holding <laughs> on to them, and I would just use my guys to, to bid with, and and he wasn't really paying any attention to what I was doing, and I ended up getting a bunch of points at the end just from doing that and like using cards and manipulating all the bidding process through cards. No, it, it's cool. We haven't played with the, uh, you know, with the cultists and investigators yet because we were just trying to get like the base yeah. game down. But yeah, I mean, some of those are, are are really powerful. You know, I think one of the investigator ones, you get to flip one of the face down cards face up. So we're like, was well, that a bidding card? I like, I forget what the what the actual language was. I'm like, yeah, I think it is. Like, wow, that's amazing. Like, you just flipped that card over. Holy shit! Yep. <laughs> <laughs> My big thing with the uh, the character cards is this is the art. Um, yeah, the I art. Love, I too, love yeah. the art uh, on the character cards. It's it's the, that's my favorite piece of, of what we've done. I really want so one of the things that uh, some reviewers have brought up was a concern is that there's a, there's some problematic stuff in the Cthulhu mythos, right? I mean, Lovecraft was had some racist stuff going on. A little bit. Uh, a little bit. <laughs> so. I basically, what I told him was that the thing that I really like about the whole like Cthulhu mythos is the creatures, you know, the really weird, esoteric, bizarre, you know, monsters and the, the cultists and how like they're these, you know, twisted people kind of embedded in society, you know, this, the shadow society kind of thing. That stuff's really cool. Um, all the other stuff, like, you know, like the misogyny and racism and stuff like whatever we can we can just garbage can that, right? And the investigators that we have in the game are far more. Um, there's, you know, there's there's women that are portrayed, you know, correctly. There's different racial types, so it's a far more um, empowering sort of look on people rather than you know, kind of taking that dark road that that he did. Mm -hmm. it, Oscar Rio, Oscar Rios over at Golden Goblin Press is really good about that. A lot of the uh, work that he does, you know, with Cthulhu is, you know, directly 
I don't want to say opposed, but I guess opposed to, you know, to that sort of background and, and you know, trying to make it a more inclusive and yeah. more, uh, I don't want to say wholesome because it's Cthulhu, but, but, <laughs> but more inviting to, you know, a larger number of people. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. And, and I did notice that on the, on the investigator cards and I thought that was really cool too, to, to specifically, you know, call out, okay, we have, uh, you know, an African-American woman as one of the investigators or, uh, you know what I don't remember having in front of me, but but yeah, I mean it, it was noted, you know that it wasn't just like four white guys, <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> like we can do better, and that's one of the things. Like you know, we we have a lot of different things that, that we kind of focus on as a company. We want you know the we want to grow the hobby. We want to have games that are more approachable to people. And I think one of those things is actually like trying to address some of that stuff that's kind of problematic, you know, in our in our history as gamers is that. You know, it doesn't have to be just populated with white dudes everywhere. Like we can actually have a wide variety of people and, and backgrounds and things like that. And it makes for a much more interesting game, makes more for much more interesting storytelling and, mm-hmm. and, you know, allows your game to be interesting to a wider variety of people. Right. Cause could people, you know, as much as it's Cthulhu, you know, people can identify, you know, you pick a, pick a character say, Hey, that's, you know, that looks like me. That's, you know, yeah. something that I can, you know, be a part of. It's not a stretch to be like, oh, okay, I'll take, you know, that guy or this guy. <laughs> White guy number three. You're right, you're right generically, <laughs> whatever, yeah. <laughs> well, aside from Lovecraft's racism, you know, you know, not that that, I feel like that wouldn't affect the game as much as it's presented, although, you know, like having the characters obviously, uh, you know, sort of break the the, Lovecraft mold. Um, did you have any other problems with the IP? So, of course, all his stuff is is public domain. Uh, so, is there any other issues that you had as you were? Yes. Sounds <laughs> like pretty much says it all. Uh, oh, yes. Should we talk about titles? <laughs> oh, you already know where I'm going. So, Lovecraft is public domain, right? Ish. <laughs> Nah, yes, technically, yes, but guess what? Uh Uh-uh. Um, so it's public domain. You can you can do you can do stories, you can do whatever you want, but when it comes to brands, that is where it starts to get sticky. And and so there are there are trademarks that have been copyrighted that you can't touch on and you can't even come close um, to them. And so originally, originally uh, this game was called battle for arkham which and then that we uh uh we abbreviate everything so it was bfa it was uh it was bfa for like a year um and still a lot of a lot of the files and stuff actually still say bfa on it uh but guess what you know arkham is a part of of lovecraft uh, mythos but you can't use it because of fantasy flight because of dc like that is completely off limits and so we went okay well and we came up with two or three other ideas and every single other idea got shot down by the IP lawyer. Um, and this project actually, out of everything that we've done and have in development, this was the hardest to nail down a brand because we want to build unique brands and we don't want to ride off of someone else's brand. We don't want you to look at this and go, oh, it's just like that. Um, we want to build things that are unique. And so we struggled. We struggled and struggled and struggled. It took us couple months i'd say at least three months to actually settle on something that um the ip lawyer felt uh would have the minimal amount of risk 
And and whatever you do, whatever you do, um, you, you can't you don't get just a free and clear stamp. It's understanding the amount of risk that you're taking by by going with a certain uh, a certain IP. Um, and so this had this was in the minimal amount of risk bucket, and it was one of the few that we had that were available to us that actually worked for the game. And now now that we have it and we've settled on it and we've started putting out uh, promotional material, I actually love it more than what we originally wanted to go with. Um, I think I think it, it creates a unique brand and we've kind of doubled down on that a bit to, to really focus on and say, hey, the seals of Cthulhu and, and what does that look and feel and what is that visual and how can we push the brand forward in a way that is unique to us, but at the same time reaches out to the love, reaches out to Lovecraft and reaches out to the Elder Gods and everything that should be available to us in in the public domain space. Well, the Seals title also like is more thematic to the game. I I really liked the the original title, you know, Battle for Arkham. Like we're we're battling about this, you know, and we're fighting it out. But I actually like Seals of Cthulhu better because it is like you're you're. You're breaking these seals. You're you're uncovering these things and bringing them into existence to create these like really amazing powers and you know manipulate the your other your opponent with these things. So it makes a lot more sense. So it was kind of one of those happy accidents. Like, yep. yeah, we had to change it, but it ended up being for the better. Yep. Right. I would love to see you guys out at the at Necronomicon next year if everything's printed and ready to go. Get you guys a table out there. Like that's. Like, like love, like the community for that is just so rabid for that. Like, it's just oh, it's so cool. <laughs> Did I just hear another dealer table in my future? I think yeah. so. Hey, I know. Yeah, I, love, I love, I love being able to get out. Uh, you know, uh, Everson enjoys doing kind of the front end and doing like the development and the prototyping and like, why aren't you having fun? And I, that's not fun for me. What's fun is we have this product and we're super proud of it and we want to get it out in front of people. So any opportunity that I have to, to get my little dealer booth and, and, and just be able to engage with people and get stuff out, I get excited about. So we should talk off offline and figure out if I can work it into my schedule. Definitely. I, I, I can send some emails. I know a few people. <laughs> I think we can make that happen <laughs> for sure. Uh, cool. So, uh, anything else that's going on? Uh, you know, you talked about uh, you know, some things that are coming up for next year's, or anything else that you know, aside from the super spoilery thing that maybe or maybe <laughs> we're not going to talk about. Um, hey, Everson, my lips are sealed. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, that's a bit of an inside joke. So we'll just leave that in there. That's that's your one freebie. I'll let you have that one. <laughs> It'll all make sense in the end. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, there's a there's another event we're going to be at. Uh, we're going to be at uh, Lilac City Comic Con. Um, I'm not going to have a booth there, but I will be uh, there just you know doing some gaming and and doing demos of both uh, Click Click Boom and Seals of Cthulhu because it'll be in the middle of the Kickstarter. So um, if anyone's over in the Spokane area, uh, that's where I'll be. Yep, and then I let so we launch on Tuesday uh, next week, and then uh, I think Friday, What's Saturday, May May twenty second at at uh, eight o'clock around eight. No, so what's what's funny is that it couldn't be. It could basically we hit the go button, and then we mad refresh the Kickstarter page, <laughs> but it can be anywhere between thirty seconds and like an hour. Mm. So it depends on how long it takes. It takes it for it to update. So it's like, hey, we're gonna try to press the go button like right before 8 a.m. and hope that it goes live. Uh, 
Uh, yeah, so uh, Tuesday morning around 8 a.m. Um, I'll be doing KublaCon in San Francisco this year, and it's Memorial Day weekend. I think uh, the dealer hall is going to be open uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Um, it, uh, this is one that I'm super excited about. It's the biggest one that I've done so far. Um, so we're hitting, uh, I think, four to 5,000 people was what it was last year, and they've been expanding. So it's a great crowd, um, and I expect to lose my voice uh, by <laughs> Saturday afternoon. Uh, and, and uh, you know, you, you've seen me at the dealer booth, so I... I, I'm non uh, I'm nonstop talking, mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, come Sunday I will literally have like a raspy smoker's voice <laughs> as I'm trying to sadly get you to play games with me. Take cough drops. That's a uh, con presenter uh, trick. Eat mm -hmm. lots of cough drops. <laughs> now, are you guys planning on doing uh, packs unplugged at all this year or no? I really want to. <laughs> I, I really was, that, was that a plea? Was that a was that it like a was. Plea? Was that to me? <laughs> I'm actually, so I'm talking to uh, one of our, our good friends, the uh, developers for Weave, uh, Monocle Society, and I'm seeing if I can finagle something with them uh, in, in some way. I mean, because I was there last year with them when we had our insane adventure of driving a moving van <laughs> from Washington State to Pennsylvania. Wow, that was crazy. Uh, <laughs> So but it inspired we'll driving... a new Dirty Cops card. That's true, we did. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know that we'll necessarily be driving a moving truck, but uh, you know, if I'm, I'm trying to see if I can do something with him because he's a super cool guy and he is a big supporter of us and we're big supporters of him. So Cool. I, I kicked myself for not going last year because there were so many people there. You were there and I was like, I really want to go, but we just come back from Necronomicon. I'm like, oh, I spent a lot of friggin' money and I'm like, ah, <laughs> I guess I won't go. And then I was like, damn it, I should have went. <laughs> It was awesome. It was such a blast. I get to meet uh, Carla from uh, from Weird Giraffe. She was awesome. Like really great hooking up with her, and then uh, getting to meet uh, Tom Vassell and you know like all the all the people that I I hear about and, and listen to their podcasts and stuff like that. All the East Coasters, like I should get to see these people. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I will be uh, in middle of July. I'll be doing a crit hit uh, in uh, down in the Phoenix area which is an RPG-themed uh, 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 boutique convention. I love it so much. It's a great group of people. Um, and then also I'll be back down there in early August for MaricopaCon. So I do, I do San Francisco. I do like California and, uh, and, and the Arizona area. And then I'm looking, uh, I want to start doing more. So there's, there's supposed to be a really amazing convention in Tucson, which I Rincon. need to try to get down to, Rincon. Um, and then also there's one in Reno, uh, Reno, Nevada, that I'm trying to figure out if we can do. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, so little by little, we're trying to expand and, and do, and do more. Um, but it's a lot of driving for me. So, uh, I'm driving from San Francisco down and trying to do all of that. Uh, so little by little. So, uh, you know, just looking for new opportunities, uh, for us to be able to just meet new people and get games out. Cool. Now, have you thought about, um, you know, like, uh, cheap ass games has their, their demo monkeys and things like that. Have you guys thought about, you know, any sort of program where you can kind of get people who are already going to be out, maybe at some of these conventions, get uh, games into their hands and let them show off the products. Yes. And, uh, uh, so, uh, over Memorial day weekend, I think it's called the Phoenix comic comic expo. Yeah. They can't uh, call it Phoenix comic con anymore because San Diego apparently has copyrighted comic con. So no one can use that. Oh so uh, at the Phoenix Comic e Expo, we will have uh, two people there uh, who will be demoing uh, the Seals of Cthulhu for us. 
Um, that'll be over Memorial Day weekend. So we'll have, if you want to come and check out the Seals of Cthulhu, uh, we'll have two people uh, demoing that. I don't know. I don't have any more information other than Phoenix Comic Expo uh, over Memorial Day weekend. Um, they'll be there. Uh, and then uh, during MaricopaCon, I actually had a couple people uh, have volunteered to jump in and actually uh, sit down and do and have a demo table for all of the Thing 12 stuff. Nice. And so I will be uh, working with them. Except, see, so, you know, uh, Thing 12 games. And so you got Thing 1 and you got Thing 2 over there. Um, but they requested that, that we have T-shirts made so that they would be uh, the Stranger Things. <laughs> and uh, so uh, I, I think they they named they, they named themselves as our demo team, the Stranger Things, which I thought was brilliant. That's awesome. Um, and so that'll be the first time doing that. And I'm kind of excited about that. Um, you know, so for me, when I'm at when I'm at the uh, when I'm doing the dealer table, we have click click boom. We have dice of crowns. We have dice of pirates. And then now we have seals of Cthulhu. And I'm I'm trying to do demos of all of those. But some of these games take time. These are you know ten to fifteen to twenty to thirty minute games. And so it's hard for me to be able to do full games of all of that. Uh, and now at MaricopaCon in uh, early August, I'll, I'll have a group of people that I can say, hey, yeah, go if you want to play a full game, go go check it out over there. So I'm I'm super excited about that. But every year we're growing. Every year we're doing a little bit more and, and having more and more opportunity to get the games out and to get the word out. And, uh, and that's, that's what excites me about doing this. Cool. Very cool. All right. Uh... That was my kid that called earlier. I apologize for having to, to mute and take a phone call, but I got to pick her up from work. So I guess we'll wrap it up here. Um, I want to, you know, thank you guys for coming on. I appreciate it. it. Was it was good to get the uh, the other Sean on as well and, and do a little dueling Sean's tonight. That was pretty cool. <laughs> I think you you've totally missed your call. I mean, you're so used to it doing the the dealer floor stuff. I, I think you're just a, a natural for the podcast stuff. You know, I, I think I think you were you were you were the uh, the lucky moment for me. I think I'll leave this I'll leave this to Everson and uh, uh, the, like, he gets he, I get the list of everything that he's doing. So the next time you pop up, I'll be like, hey, I'm available. There you go, <laughs> Sean Shank Redemption. Uh, thanks, Eric. Uh, coming from Eric Portney, Sean yeah. Shank Redemption. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Well, I look forward to seeing you in uh, in August because I will also be up at MaricopaCon, although I did not uh, – I didn't realize Crit Hit was going on. I guess they were concurrently funding at the same time, and I, I missed it. So I was like, well, all right, at least I got one. <laughs> yep. I'll be I'll be at both. And, uh, yeah, MaricopaCon is fun. It's nice, chill con. Come and play games and uh, come see me and hopefully buy some new games. So Cool. All right, so uh, we're gonna we're gonna see this drop Tuesday, uh, the twenty second of May at eight o'clock or thereabouts, maybe an hour after, maybe thirty seconds after. I guess Pacific we'll Standard Time. Pacific yep. Standard. Uh, so we hope you'll you know you'll you'll check it out. I uh, hope you go back it. it. It's it's a fun game. The art is beautiful. Uh, you know, you guys are are you know. Uh, have great quality products. You guys are, you know, delivery, you know, nothing's, you know, in the wind, there's no crazy things. Like you guys are solid, dependable, you know, uh, price points are good. Like everything, like everything is awesome. Like it's just a, a bundle of joy right here. So I'm hoping everybody, you know, goes in and checks it out and uh, we'll have a link in the show notes. Uh, once the, uh, the Kickstarter goes live, we'll go back and add all that stuff in there. So uh, hope everybody checks it out. Cool. Thank you so much for having us. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on. Special shout out to uh, Haldane Creations. Uh, thanks for hanging out in the chat. Uh, I'm glad you uh, are and engaged in and like uh, what we're doing. And I, I really think you'll you'll dig the Kickstarter when you see it. So, cool. 
All right. You can follow Thing 12 Games over on Twitter, Facebook. All links are in the show notes. You can do the same for us. We appreciate it. Uh, as always, reviews, comments, and likes and shares and all that stuff is stupendous and helps us out a ton. Uh, we also have coffee for sale. If you're just uh, checking this out for the first time, uh, there's a convoluted link in the show notes, or you could go to tinyurl.com forward slash legendary brew. Uh, one of the guys that runs games for us, Neil, he runs our fear game and our rogue trader game. He also roasts coffee as a side business doing that. It's really good. It's what I order at home. That's all I drink now. So uh, if you're a, a coffee drinker, uh, I suggest, I hope that maybe you'd want to check it out. And uh, I want to thank everybody for checking this out. Thanks, everybody, who's hanging out in the chat tonight. And uh, we'll catch you next time. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. This podcast is a proud member of the Legends of Tabletop broadcast network. For more gaming-related content, please visit www.legendsoftabletop.com.